0: really truly honestly has been an odd season for nelson the islanders still have nine games to reschedule but whether the islanders can climb back into the playoff hunt is really the pertinent question and
1: it's really hard to get a feel for this team when you play a game every two weeks
0: newsday presents the island ice podcast with andrew gross And welcome to Island Ice Newsday's New York Islanders podcast episode 122. Hi, I'm your host Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday and a couple of good chats in this episode as we still wait for the Islanders to resume playing hockey games, hopefully on Thursday night at UBS Arena against the New Jersey Devils. First, I'll speak with one of the biggest Islander fans out there, Kim Moisa, who many of you probably recognize as Isles Girl Three from Twitter. She's been profiled by MSG Networks during Islanders broadcasts, and later you can hear my discussion on a wide range of topics with Amanda Stein, the New New Jersey Devils team reporter, who also hosts her own podcast, "Speak of the Devils" with Devils radio play-by-play voice Matt Laughlin, which you can find wherever you find podcasts. Amanda previously spent almost 10 years working for TSN Radio in Montreal, covering the Canadians. So, if you notice, these podcast episodes are again being posted with some regularity, even if the games are still sporadic. The Islanders have still been off since a 3-2 overtime win over the visiting Oilers on New Year's Day. They are scheduled to host the Devils, as I mentioned, on Thursday night at UBS Arena. And then the Capitals on Saturday before a home-and-home with the Flyers on Monday and Tuesday, the second game being in Philadelphia. But of course, and there's always an of course, uh, it seems lately uh, with the COVID-19 Outbreaks. The Devils had their home game on Monday night against the Lightning postponed with nine Devils players in COVID 19 protocol. That was as of Monday. And the Flyers just had their home game against the Hurricanes on Tuesday night postponed because the Flyers have been impacted by COVID-19. So we'll see if that in any way further impacts the Islanders' schedule, which is already a mishmash. The The Islanders still have nine games to reschedule, and that includes next Tuesday's home game or scheduled home game against the Blue Jackets that was postponed in order for the Islanders to make up their game at Philadelphia that was initially scheduled for November 30th. And uh, you, you sort of need a chart or a spreadsheet to, to keep this all together at this point and uh, figure out which dot goes where. But uh, it, it, that all certainly throws some more questions into the Islanders' upcoming schedule. But uh, I, I suspect the Islanders' Devils on Thursday will be able to be played and uh, given there's still a week to go, I'm going to go ahead and guess the same is true for those two Islanders-Flyers games. We'll we'll, we'll see whether or not I'm right on that, um, as the NHL continually is juggling its schedule. But whether the Islanders can climb back into the playoff hunt is really the pertinent question. And to discuss that, I chatted with Isles Girl 3 herself, Kim Moisa in our second uh, semi-regular entry of including your voice as fans in the Island Ice podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, we're uh, all very happy to be joined by uh, one of the biggest and most famous Islander fans out there. You've seen her on TV, you've heard her, you see her on Twitter as Isles Girl 3 uh, Kim Moisa, who probably... She may know more about hockey than uh, most of the sports writers combined. And uh, <laughs> Kim, how you doing today? Hey, Andrew, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. I know this is a, a podcast, but I'm we're doing this via Zoom, and I'm looking at Kim's. Uh, Uh, you know, hall of Robin Leonard and she's wearing an Islanders hat and uh, she's got (laughs) pictures all behind her. It's quite a shrine. So uh, I think Kim is very, very well versed in uh, being able to speak to the Islanders. And what we wanted to uh, chat about today is as we, we all hope the Islanders actually get back out on the ice and, uh, you know, start hitting the puck again soon. Um, Obviously, they've made the playoffs the first three seasons under Barry Trotz. Can they? Can they do it now? They're starting at a deficit, and Kim, just you know, you watch every single game. You've watched the first twenty-eight games. What are you feeling about the team right now? And you know, how optimistic are you when they do start playing again?
1: It's really hard to get a feel for this team when you play a game every two weeks. <laughs> um, you talk about uh, you know getting. Uh, like a streak especially when we were on that win streak right there you want to keep that momentum momentum's the key word there we have not had a streak of momentum since the beginning of the season having that stretch for UBS Arena having our COVID issues and then now other teams having COVID issues and postponements because of the Canadian shutdowns and not having fans there. And that has postponed us. So having, we have not had any streaks of momentum to just get this team running. So it's hard to, you know, say, Oh, you know, this is how we're going to you know hit the ground running. So it's hard to put them in a place, but if you want to go off our last few wins um, if we could keep producing like that, when we have games that we can get into our system, when we get into Islanders hockey, that's when we start, to look like a playoff team where I think, you know, we have the least amount of games played. So we have those games in hand where we can do a push. Maybe we can, you know, fight for this push. I'm always optimistic. I'm always like, this team can prove people wrong. We can kick butt. We can go <laughs> far in the playoffs. You just, you know, don't underestimate us. But right. it's hard to get a feeling because I haven't seen them play in two weeks.
0: Yeah. no, <laughs> You and me both. Yeah. No, <laughs> one of the things i mean uh unintended benefit of not playing any games is uh they're getting healthy again brock nelson will be back in the lineup knocking on wood they don't have anyone in covid protocol right now other than ryan pulak they should have their full lineup so to your point yes you know they should be able to get back to their style of game the I, I think the big question is how much have their hockey senses been doled by having nothing but practices basically for two weeks? Um, it's a huge question. What did you see when they, if you can remember back to when they were playing in December, they <laughs> they, they went five, two, and four. And I know you know, if you add that up, that's still just uh, you know five wins. Uh, out of 11 games right I'm awful at math but I think that's correct (laughs) still Barry Trotz always talks about just you know collecting points so points in uh, nine of 11 games did you like what you saw in December did it feel like Islanders hockey to you
1: there was moments of where you know I felt the Islanders controlled periods I felt like okay this is our system We're, we're getting we're you know we're getting used to this. Um, you saw a lot of that uh via Devils and uh Edmonton, uh excuse me, Devils, uh Buffalo and Edmonton. Right. Um, you saw a lot of that where you know Islanders controlled periods, they got to their defensive game. Uh, I think they have like one of the like most block shots in the league. And when you hold a team like Edmonton, who has such you know amazing players like McDavid and Dreisidel to 19 shots in the regulation that's Islanders hockey. That's what we're looking for. And that's what you want to see from this team. So, you know, at the beginning of the month, it was kind of brutal. Um, there was moments, even in the Edmonton game, the second period where we just fell apart and Edmonton controlled the entire period. That's where you you're looking at it going, you know, okay, this is, we have to, you know, get it to click. We have to get it back together. Luckily, you know, we have great coaches like Lane Lambert who got in the locker room, talked to the guys, and the third period was a complete uh, 180. And yeah. that's what you want to see. So it's just about can the Islanders, you know, continue the, the energy throughout the game? You know, second periods I've noticed throughout the games have been usually our worst. where We're in the middle of it. Or in if we score first, we kick back, uh, we put up our feet up and go, okay, we're done. And, right. and so with, that's where the other team kicks off we should have momentum after that. And we don't, um, I want, you know, the beginning of the month, it wasn't too great. Obviously we had some issues with COVID and things like that, but it's also another thing coming up with, um, everything that's happened is the younger guys stepping up like Noah Dobson and, uh, Kiefer Bellows haven't seen too much of Wallstrom as of late, but I think he's been doing really exceptionally well. And so I'm a little bit, um, unsure of how to feel like, you know, I'm great. It's great to have guys like Brock Nelson back and uh, is Paul Mary back.
0: Well, yeah, he's been practicing. And if you remember, Barry Trotz said he might not go back into the lineup because he's got other guys playing better. So we'll, we'll have to see whether Barry develops. <laughs> uh, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like that's where, you know, I'm wondering, you know, because I don't want to see them kicked out because they have been so except doing exceptionally well. Even a guy like Arsen Zarnik helping, you know, to assist and, you know, open up lanes. And that's the type of thing you want to keep seeing. Do you want to keep seeing them doing that push and helping the team out with points? Uh, you know, I'm wondering, you know, we're getting buys back, but the lineup that we were having was, you know, good chemistry.
0: Yeah. One last one. Um, Cause I know you've been in UBS arena. I've seen your video of the bird flying around. So I, <laughs> I, know, you're not, I, I know you're there all the time. What do you like about the new arena and is there anything that makes you miss Nassau Coliseum, you know, being at UBS arena?
1: Well, first all hail Matthew Birdzell because yeah. uh,
0: he's
1: helping us <laughs> out. Yeah. You All hail him. I hope he's doing well. I hope they're feeding him up there. But <laughs> uh, um UBS arena, I mean, you, you walked up to it and the first thing I thought it was like, I felt like I was at Disneyland. I mean, it was just, just the the initial, like, coming up to the arena is like, wow. You know, something you didn't have in Nassau. Nassau was just like, you know, you went up to the yeah. circle. I called it Jiffy Pop Arena when they redid it because it looked yeah, down yeah. It looked like it. But, <laughs> so UBS, you know, it's, um, it's gorgeous. I mean, the arena itself is gorgeous. When there was a full PAX uh, arena in there, the sound quality is, I thought, was fantastic. And that's something I know Ledecky definitely looked into with the arena I I love the atmosphere of it um really easy to go and get anything you need um things I miss about Nassau though I mean I'm always gonna miss Nassau Uh, it's always gonna be I mean it's where I grew up um you know I'm gonna just I don't know there's nothing that I really you know UBS didn't and Ledecky he did an exceptional job making it for the fans I right. can't really gripe about it. He's, you know, where we're sitting is a beautiful view of the arena. We're up in the 300s, my season tickets. And mm. I can't even complain about the view. It's a gorgeous view. Yeah. I, no matter where you sit, I sat in the 100s for opening night and I'm in the 300s uh, for every game. And it's a gorgeous view, just like how I felt at Nassau. The energy in there is fantastic. The only thing I guess I would say is that because it's so much bigger, um, I've noticed, like, Let's Go Islander's Chance will go, like, because, like, sound travels slower than light. Um, you'll hear, let's go, on the let's go, let's, let's, you know, like, kind of like that, where it feels a little disconnected at points. Right. I can't really complain because you have that, like, wave of electricity going through the
0: arena. All right. Well, listen, Kim, I hope you're back in the arena on Thursday and Saturday, and I hope there are a lot of games coming up because uh, <laughs> <So> it's, too- <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely fine. <laughs> Uh, Hey, listen, Kim, as always, it's great chatting with you. As uh, as I said to you on the radio the other week, one of the things I really like about the Islanders community is just getting to know people because it is such a a strong community. So I I appreciate you taking a few minutes and uh, hopping on here. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I am so glad to do this with you, man. Thank you so much.
0: Really appreciate Kim taking the time to lend her views. She definitely knows her hockey. She's always fun to chat with. And uh, before bringing aboard Amanda Stein, the the Devils team reporter, let's quickly recap the news of the week for the Islanders. And we'll start with Barry Trotz, who was absent for that Oilers uh, game, the the 3-2 overtime win on New Year's Day, and and as well as the following four practices, uh, with associate coach Lane Lambert ably stepping in, Barry Trotz was mourning his mother Iris, who passed away on January first at the age of seventy-eight. And again, uh, I just want to send out my deepest condolences to Barry Trotz and his entire family. It's obviously never easy losing a parent. I lost my father just over a year ago now, and the pain does linger, but you try and remember the good times with a loved one and getting back to work, getting back into your routine can can be a help and when when the islanders do play, that they should be nearly at full strength. Nobody or is on COVID 19 protocol as we speak. Uh, with Brock Nelson expected to be back into the lineup after he missed uh, two games while uh, in COVID-19 protocol. And as I wrote this week for Newsday.com backslash sports, it really, truly, honestly has been an odd season for Nelson. Uh, somehow, uh, Brock Nelson is still tied with Anders Lee for the team lead in goals with 10 uh, despite playing in only 19 of the Islanders' 28 games, and he's played just four games since suffering a lower body injury on November 21st, he missed seven games with that injury, and then, as I mentioned, the the, the two more because of COVID, yet somehow I, he was only out of the lineup for nine games uh, in that entire span, dating back to November 21st, just really highlighting how many games the Islanders have had postponed, how impacted their schedule has been uh, since the postponements started coming. And again, the first one was on November 28th uh, against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. That game's now going to be played on St. Patrick's Day on March 17th. Um, But again, the, the, the the Islanders have, as I said, nine other games that have yet to be rescheduled so uh you know Brock Nelson spoke about it uh when he met with the media uh the other day um, he said it has been weird for him um if there's anything that's good that's come out of it is because of the islanders uh uh you know schedule postponements he he hasn't had to miss. That much time, even though, as he said, you know, uh, playing only four games since November 21st is, is kind of crazy for him uh, when he thinks about it. He was he was just starting to feel like he was uh, getting his game back um, after that lower body injury. He had a, uh, a goal in uh, his 10th goal in the last game he played. That was December 19th. Uh, that was a, a 4-3 shootout loss. Uh, to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and Robin Leonard uh, at UBS Arena uh, again on December 19th. Nelson had a goal in that game, uh, a bunch of postponements, two games in COVID protocol. And here we are uh, heading towards mid-January and and Brock Nelson still trying to uh, establish himself back in the lineup. He'll obviously help a lot. When he's back in, it, it, it puts some of the pieces uh, back in place, even though Jean-Gabriel Pajot certainly is very capable of being you know, the center on the second line. Uh, Pajot will go back to centering the third line, Nelson back on the second line. Uh, assuming Nelson will be back on the power play, quite possibly for Pajot, um, who's also a penalty killer. Um, we'll, we'll see how Barry Trotz goes with that since the, uh, panel, uh, the power play has been going so well lately, uh, nine for 26, as we keep saying since December 7th. And, uh, that's certainly that something that has to keep going here. Um, uh, further, uh, amongst the Islanders updates, the only current absent player is top pair defenseman Ryan Pulak. And, uh, this week, is his eighth out of the lineup. Uh, Well, it was uh, eight weeks exactly on Monday uh, since he suffered a lower body injury on November 15th. Uh, Initially, as we keep saying over and over again, he was only expected to, I shouldn't say only expected to miss, but he was expected to miss four to six weeks initially, again Monday marked 8 weeks out of the lineup and Barry Trotz said on Monday that while Pulak is skating on his own there's still no timetable yet to re- for Pulak to return to practice let alone a game uh, I'd call that concerning Barry Trotz uh, said that you know while while he could offer no updates on the timeline for Ryan Pulak he, he was within the his protocol timeline um, which I guess means whatever the doctors have now established for him. Uh, in addition to skating on his own, Pulak is still being checked out by the doctors. Barry Trotz ma- uh, mentioned imagery. Uh, so I assume, you know, they're taking a look to see how uh, the injury is healing. Um, but again, no no current timetable for Ryan Pulak to come back. And, the, you know, uh, the Islanders, it goes without saying uh, can certainly use Ryan Pulak back in the lineup. Um, as for the Islanders, when, whenever they resume play, they'll have a, a 10, 12, and 6 record after going 5, 2, and 4 since December 7th. They were 14 points out of a wild card spot after the boston bruins uh streaked past the the capitals 7-3 on monday night and, and the islanders uh have played uh and this is after monday night the the islanders have played at least four fewer games than any other eastern conference player can playoff contender uh, that the Rangers, Lightning and Capitals, and again, this is all of a uh, as of Monday night, the Rangers, Lightning and Capitals have all played nine more games than the Islanders. You're, you're talking about one-eighth, uh, you guys know how I am with math, but uh, you know, in an 82 game season, uh, you know, basically playing 10 fewer games, uh, that's a huge chunk. ...that the Islanders have to make up. They still have 54 regular season games to play. As I mentioned, nine games to be rescheduled. Um, And, you know, again, hopefully they start Thursday against the Devils... ...and and don't have any further scheduling hiccups. Although the way things have been going in the NHL... um, ...certainly the last month, month and a half, I, I don't think you can count on the Islanders going straight through uh, once they do start playing. it. Uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be uh, a COVID-19 outbreak with the Islanders. It can be uh, the situation up in Canada w- when those games can get rescheduled. It can be uh, another team having an outbreak. It's just really the schedule is a day-to-day uh, uh, experience in, in the NHL. And... Uh, Uh, The Islanders are are going to have uh, a huge, huge task ahead of them to to try and get back into the playoff hunt. And as I mentioned on the last episode, it may be a matter of having to beat out either the Penguins or the Bruins uh, for a playoff spot. And that's provided that the Penguins don't rise into the Metropolitan Division's top three, which currently consists of the Rangers, Capitals, and Hurricanes. Uh, The Rangers, Capitals, and Hurricanes, I don't suspect any one of those three to plummet uh, out of a playoff spot uh, between now and the end of the season. The Penguins just won 10 in a row. And they have Evgeny Malkin coming back into their lineup. Uh, the Bruins, as I mentioned, just beat up on the Capitals uh, and the Lightning. And and the Bruins should also be getting their former number one goalie, Tuukka Rask, uh, back onto the roster at some point, perhaps soon. Rask signing a PTO professional tryout offer with the the Bruins AHL affiliate, uh, the Providence Bruins. Um with with the idea that Rask will be back in the NHL, obviously, uh uh at some point. And with with the uh, the AHL also scrambling to uh get its schedule in order through COVID nineteen outbreaks, uh it, it may it may not even be that Rask gets an opportunity to, to to hone his game with the Providence Bruins before the Bruins get him back on their roster. So Uh, Look, I'm not saying it's going to be impossible for the Islanders once they do start playing games again. Uh, That is getting, you know, into a playoff race and and maybe getting a playoff berth. But it ain't going to be easy, that's for sure. And as Barry Trotz said, though, all the Islanders can do is worry about the next game. And that is, again, hopefully against the Devils on Thursday. And to chat about that and also thoughts on Kyle Palmieri and what's going on in Canada amongst other topics that we covered. I chatted with my dear friend Amanda Stein, the New Jersey Devils team reporter. Uh, again, she does a great job with Devils Radio play-by-play voice Matt Laughlin on their podcast, Speak of the Devils. And, and that all makes sense given Amanda's uh, radio background covering uh, the Montreal Canadiens, as I said, for TSN Radio in Montreal for uh, nine and a half years she did that. And as I said, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to bring in Amanda Stein, who uh, you you know her from her New Jersey Devils coverage. And uh, I, I will say this, Amanda, and I think I've told you this, one of the the hardest things about leaving the Devils beat, absolutely. And it's a great organization, I know there's a rivalry with the Islanders and all that, but the people in the, the devil's organization are, are just fantastic and not getting a chance to see you on a day-by-day basis was one of the hardest things about leaving that beat. So that's absolutely- so
2: nice of you to say, I mean, no. it really is because we had so much fun together, you know, like, yeah. just as you were leaving, I was arriving from Montreal. So we had what, like a year and a half, a season and a half together or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, And it was great because I was so, you know, I'd covered hockey for many, many years, but this was the first time where I was really like on, I was in a new country, a new city, a new team, all that. And, you know, I was just so appreciative of being able to work alongside you and i learned so much from just listening to you ask questions too so the feeling is mutual i was very sad when you were gone (laughs)
0: yeah um but it is it is great to chat with you and uh, i think i can still wish you a happy new year i think that's still within the statute of (laughs) limitations.
2: it is a debate it is a debate
0: (laughs) (laughs) and uh let let me just start by uh, the, the islanders and devils are supposed to play on thursday but the islanders And Lightning are not playing on Monday night because there are nine Devils as of uh, Sunday going into Monday, nine Devils in COVID protocols. So what is your sense of the team right now where we are? Because I also know the Devils go on. They they had two games in Canada postponed, Montreal, Toronto, right? Correct, yeah. What's your sense that the league would like them to play this game? Or are they just going to give them a long break to fully recover here?
2: I mean, it sort of seems like, you know, you just never know, right? And like, that's the the world we've been living in, particularly in our league is, you know, we only found out last night that our game today um, was going to be canceled. So you just kind of have to go into every single day with this, you know, thought of, okay, like I may be covering a game, I may not be covering a game. So, I mean, obviously you would have to imagine that the league would, with all the hope to play as many games as we can and get through a season that, yeah, you would absolutely want to see this game played coming up on Thursday. And, you know, the interesting thing with our cases in New Jersey is that they've sort of been spread out. It almost felt like every day there was like two other players, which would mean that every day two more players could – technically come out of COVID protocol. So I think as we get closer to the game on Thursday, there will be of that nine, uh, several players who will potentially be able to play. Uh, But one of those nine, by the way, I should say is Dougie Hamilton, who regardless would not be playing because he's had his jaw surgery. But yes, we do need to include him. But regardless, he would not be ready.
0: That, that I mean, for Dougie Hamilton to break his perfect
2: sword, timing, Andrew.
0: Yeah, and then have to go into COVID protocol as well. I mean, that's
2: yeah, <laughs> it, it it was it was brutal just to see because it was a, a real fluke thing where. The puck deflected off of Nico Heischer's stick and right into Dougie's jaw. And it was unassuming, right? So like you can't even brace yourself and it caught him right in the jaw. Um, but, you know, like Lindy Ruff and I were talking about after it was announced like that Dougie was going into COVID protocol, if there's ever a good time, this would be it because he's not missing any additional games. So.
0: Yeah. And the, and the Islanders have sort of had the same thing with Brock Nelson who's He's only played four games since November 21st and he's actually he's actually only missed nine Islander games since November That's 21st.
2: wild.
0: Yeah. It's like so it's it just really is the season and you know the Islanders have gone through their covid issues and you know I know Barry Trotz and the team sort of feels like they were sort of a guinea pig uh for how the rest of the league has been treated <laughs> And and you know when to postpone games and shut things down. But yeah, I don't think that's entirely wrong either. Yeah, no, and but but the devils really have been spread out. You know, Lindy Ruff was in COVID protocol for a while. So. Yeah,
2: he just he just recently got out a couple of days ago. So he's been back on the bench for two games. But yeah, he missed a couple of games as well. So thankfully, you know, he's been the only one on our coaching staff. So things have been like relatively normal in that respect. But yeah, I mean, it's every day, like, you know, this Andrew, like every day you just don't know. And because I'm part of the team and I work with the players and I, I have that close contact and I travel with them, like I get tested every day too. Right. As the team does. And like, there's a blessing in it because you're like, okay, well, like every 24 hour period, I know like where right. I stand. But then there's also that, like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, you know, like, I've been so careful because, like, the last thing I've ever wanted to be, like, patient zero. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't want to be the one to bring people down. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, and last season, to that point, because you are close to the team, we didn't see each other in person last yeah. season. If, uh, the Islanders and Devils played eight times last season, <laughs> and crazy. you were not even allowed to be in the press box. You could not mingle with I mean, that's... Yeah, no, I
2: mean, that's exactly what it was. I was in the team bubble, and um, that meant that the only places that I could be was where players had access to because they were those restricted areas. Uh, You know, actually, you know, it wasn't so terrible because we got to sit in like a suite at every game.
0: I'm sure sure it's (laughs) terrible.
2: There were like a couple of perks. I mean, but and it wasn't just for me, it was because I was like thrown in with management, Tom Fitzgerald and, and stuff like that. So it wasn't because of me that we got the suite, but it was, it was certainly different. And it was, you know, it, in a sense, it had a, a real lonely feeling about it because, you know, people like you and, you know, any sort of city we would go to, I'm so embedded with like all the other reporters and stuff from not only my time in New Jersey, but my time uh, back home in Montreal that you missed that part of the job. You know, there was like a lesser of two evils because I sort of had this, I had this benefit of being with the team so I could have that face-to-face contact, which as you know, is so vital uh, to building those relationships. And especially last year with it being a completely new coaching staff, that was a huge asset for me, right? To be able to have that face-to-face contact. But you also miss what, the other part of what makes our jobs so amazing is the people that you don't work with on a regular basis that you get to see in the press box and stuff. So I was so happy when I eventually got to see you earlier this year in uh, a Prudential center.
0: Yeah, no, that, that was great. No. (laughs) And and it's funny because you do have, you, you do have this great perspective of of what the players have gone through living through this, And and having to play through it. And, you know, as reporters, we hear it from the players, you know, that how tough it is and how boring it is on the road, especially last season when the players weren't allowed to go out
2: and
0: go to restaurants or really have any social interactions whatsoever. They went into their hotel room. They were pretty much sequestering except for team meals. It was hard. Yeah, you've lived through that. I mean, you know, at least when I'm on the road, you know, I can set my own rules because, you know, I'm not being tested by the the team every day.
2: Yeah, it. you know, you're right. It did offer me a very unique perspective and a real empathy um, that I think sometimes on the outside we forget because they're, you know, these multimillionaire athletes who maybe come across not intentionally as complaining about something so menial as let's say, you know, having to stay in your hotel, but it, you know, it was a grind. It was really, really difficult because you're it it is that feeling of being confined. Right. And you know, that there's this like world out there that, that you can't really be a part of. And, you know, yes, it's good on one hand for team bonding and getting to know each other, but you know, like any, atmosphere, any group of people, sometimes you need a break. And when your only break is being able to go to your room where you've been forever on the road, I, mm-hmm. it was tough, you know, it, it was tough, but these, you know, everyone involved, we all really made the most of it because we understood a, like how lucky we are to, to be working when so many people weren't mm-hmm. B, that, like how awesome our jobs are just to begin with. Um, but it, you know, it, it did take its toll because as much as like your life is so regimented anyways, during a hockey season, whether it's practice day or this, I mean, you know, you know, it wasn't like if I wanted to go to the rink a little bit later, I could get an Uber and go, which I was normally like under normal circumstances. I could, if the last bus to the, the arena was at four o'clock and the game was at seven, um, I had to get on that four o'clock bus and, right. and just be there in this restricted area. And, you know, so I'm lucky that we, you know, as you mentioned before, we have such a great group of people in New Jersey that we work with that it made it fun. But yeah, but yeah the, it, it really did, you know, make an impact. It really made an impact. And I couldn't really see my friends from outside of the business.
0: Right. Because
2: right. You, you just didn't want to risk it.
0: No, it's it's like being sequestered on a, on a jury. You, you, you're you're yeah. kind of- from the outside, because yeah. they have to keep you. You know, you have to stay in a safe environment. Uh, I mean, even you know, uh, with without getting into you know tales behind the curtain, even on a on a team charter, it's not yep. like in the old days. The, the players are wearing masks. They're not free to get up. And, and you know on team charters there's you know food you know and
2: there wasn't last year right, right. like it was like you were allowed like a bottle of water right yeah. I mean and thankfully like the travel that we were doing on planes you know I don't think we had a plane ride more than an hour so like yeah. you know we could survive yeah. um, but you're right I mean everything just felt different and you know like instead of having two buses where it was like you um, the staff bus and the player bus, you know, we were traveling in four buses so that like, you could keep your distance, like just all those real little things, um, yeah. you know, they, they, they do, they take their toll and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining and I hope no, No, not. not at all,
0: uh, absolutely not. It's, it's just
2: a-, a reality that we lived. Um, and, and I'm glad that we have somewhat more freedom though right now we're sort of back what? in that situation where, you know, we're eating in the hotel, Um, if you do want to go out, it has to be in a private room. And like, Lord knows, like, I'm not going to eat in a private room by myself, you know, at a restaurant, but, but, you know, and like, you know, and I said before, so, so, so lucky that at the New Jersey Devils, we have such an awesome staff where, you know, me as the team reporter, I can, you know, go into the team lounge on the road and, you know, where we're eat our dinner and I can sit down at a table next to Lindy Ruff and he won't think twice about it. You know, it's not, there, there's no like separation there, you know, and he'll chat with me or if I'm sitting next to Mark Recchi or Pete Albee, it's, you know, all, all those, you know, there's no separation. And that I think made everything so much easier, especially being one of, if not the only woman that travels in, you know, a party of 53 people. And that was hard. Like that was the other part that you know, not even the players could understand yeah
0: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that, 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 that's not in their wheelhouse <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> hey, so hey, as we mentioned we did get to see each other the last time the devils were at ubs arena and, and just getting more hockey when, when the devils came in the last time they 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 were struggling a little bit uh, i forget yeah. what it was five straight losses or, or whatever it was yeah um This time, the the Devils seem to be playing a little bit better. So what's what's different if, again, if they play on Thursday, what will the Islanders see different out of the Devils than they did uh, uh, the last time they played?
2: Um, A more cohesive group, I think, would probably be one of the biggest things. And the driving powers are different. And what I mean by that is that Jack Hughes has arrived. He has found himself as a player, as a person, as a difference maker. And that is the engine that is driving everything from the top down. And I think when you have someone as elusive, as crafty and as skilled as Jack, that takes a lot of attention from the other team and it allows everyone else to kind of make space for themselves on the devil's lineup. So I think it starts there with Jack being healthy because he had a really difficult start to the year, you know, in the second game, he went down with a devastating shoulder injury. And so when, you know, the, when the two teams were meeting last, he was really just starting to get that groove back. Um, And, you know, like I said, this like cohesiveness now, it's a little murky right now because there are so many players in COVID protocols. So the lines that were working are, have been sort of split up. Some guys are no longer you know, playing right now. So, And I think it's just this, this innate belief that they can win every game. And the other thing that I would say when it comes to this team is that they are holding one another accountable. Now, whether that that didn't happen before or not, I don't really know, but it's something that the team, that the players have really expressed recently, is that they took this extended holiday break, which for us was extended by a couple of days, um, as an opportunity to say, all right, what we did was what we did. We need to actually turn the page and reset Now, it's easy to say that, right, Andrew? Like, everyone would probably say that coming out of a break. Right, right. So for them, they were like, in order to do that, we have to make sure that you're, you know, you have to make sure you're playing your best. And in turn, make sure the guy sitting in the next, next to the locker room uh, next to you knows that you're playing your best and you expect the same from them. And sometimes it's just that attitude shift, right? And that mental, that mental break, you know, a lot of guys just took the time off. And I think that that was so important, right? Disengage, um, but also engage with yourself as a player. Who do you want to be? Who does this team want to be? And it seems right now, I think I think we're what? We've maybe lost two out of the last six or something like that. But to have broken that losing streak, that 16 losing streak coming right out of the break, I think that was just, that was huge. That was right. huge.
0: And it, it, was a, it was a 4-2 Islanders win over the Devils on December 11th at UBS Arena, which unbelievably, I mean, it's going to be more than a month between these games. It's going to be six games for the Islanders. That's so, so crazy. Jack, Jack Hughes did have a goal in that game, um, which, which actually gave the Devils a, a 2-1 lead in the in the first period. And the, and after that, it was uh, kind of all Islanders. And even yes. uh, a couple of ex-Devils. I remember, thank you. Yeah, a couple of ex-Devils and uh, Andy Green and Zach Parise. Uh, yes, in there. I
2: also recall
0: One one ex-Devil who did not score in that game and who may not even be in the lineup uh, Thursday, um, even as he comes back from injury, if Barry Trotz follows through is Kyle Palmieri. And now uh, you you certainly, as both of us did, we we both covered Kyle with the Devils and we saw a different kind of goal score when he was with the Devils. And I know the gold production had been dipping before he was mm-hmm. traded to the Islanders, but are, are you even surprised? You know, I'm, one I'm, moment- I am
2: surprised.
0: Yeah. What? What? I, I'm you- surprised. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, yeah, go ahead with that. And what have you seen out of Kyle that, you know, maybe is missing at this point?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because I think you're, you're absolutely right with what we were saying before, like you and I, We had seen maybe his production dip a bit over the last couple of years, but it wasn't to the point where he wasn't making an impact in some sort of way in the game. Right. Like he still had that presence. And, you know, look, I I know the Islanders haven't played a ton of games and I can't say that I've watched a ton of his games, but I have heard. And so it, it is. Um, quite shocking to me to see that he's really fallen off the way that he has because I mean you're probably better suited to answer but it just seems very dramatic and I don't know if it's you know the style of play that's you know being asked of him to play or the type of players that are around him but the other thing with Kyle is that like he didn't seem to need to need that before. Like he knew who he was as a player and would just execute on that. So it is, it is a shock to me. I, I, I didn't think it would be this dramatic. And for you to even say that he may be healthy come Thursday, if the teams are playing and he might not be playing that, you know, that probably won't sit very well with him knowing what type of like, how prideful he is.
0: Yeah, no, he's, he's a very intense person. Uh, I can tell you that. Very. And yeah, and, and you know, whether Barry follows through on it, but you know, he, he Kyle has been practicing through this long break and he's back from the uh, I uh, believe it was a lower body injury. But Barry, uh, Barry said, and this was after, uh, let's see, after their December 30th win over the Sabres, he was asked right. for an update on Kyle Palmieri and he said basically you know, when Kyle gets back healthy, he's, you know, we're going to have to see if we put him back in the lineup or not. You know, he's, there are other players going right now. And, 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 and that includes Kiefer Bellows. That includes Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, You know, you got Zach Parisi, even though he only has that one goal, he's contributing in so many other ways. And Um, I think
2: that that's what like made Kyle effective when he was in New Jersey, let alone the goal right like there were other ways in which he was contributing so he wouldn't be pulled out of the lineup so it it does surprise me um but i also think that maybe that would make it the right game to have him come back do you know what i mean because it is his (laughs) former team yeah
0: Uh, Yeah. like is that a
2: thing i don't know like they seem to say it's a thing
0: but i i I think it's a thing i mean you know he spent he spent what was it five good seasons almost in that organization and and yeah he had the you know, we grew up both in New Jersey and on Long Island, so you know everyone claims Kyle Palmieri, but you know he does have. That a, is true. Yeah, he does have a relationship with New Jersey that you know goes a little deeper than. Hunt. And
2: most of the players that are on the Devils roster, right? Like he, you know, he he and um, Travis Zajac were kind of the last two of the guard to yeah. to leave.
0: Yes, yeah and, or to,
2: to be traded yeah
0: yeah and, and Travis of course is is back with the organization in an off ice capacity, right yeah,
2: exactly he'll he pops in from time to time and uh, hops on the ice with the guys and I remember the first time he came on so he was like walking through the tunnel to like go on the ice and he was in a track suit. I swear to you, I did not recognize him for a second. I was like oh, Like, there you are. Um, But but yeah, so no, I mean, the the Kyle thing does surprise me because I've only ever really known him as a player to, as you say, be really intense and and contributing in those ways. Do you think, though, that it's like a matter of the players around him or like what what do you sort of attribute it to? (sighs)
0: Um, I, I, cause he's played with, you know, he's played on Matthew Barzell's line. He's played with Brock Nelson. He's played with John Gabriel Pajot. He's played on the power play. He's been given plenty of opportunities. And it's just
2: not working.
0: I mean, some of it is, some of it's hard luck, but some of it yeah. is, you know, a better shot placement. You can't keep shooting right into a goalie's stomach, you know, all the time, yeah. right?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, is I,
2: that, I, is that something that like is making Islanders, whether it's fans or people on the outside, like nervous with, is this not the first year of his contract?
0: Uh, this is the first year of a four year, $20 million extension. So yes, uh, to, to, to call Islanders, Twitter nation a little nervous about what they've seen <laughs> so far might
2: be. I know about those people. So we have those too in New Jersey.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I again, because it's been such a drastic drop off and, and again, as yeah. like I said, you know, when, when the Islanders traded for him, I think he only had, you know, two goals in the regular season uh, after, you know, the trade going into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, but, I remember, but then in the playoffs, right? Like he kicked he was, butt.
0: Yeah, he was he was so good in the playoffs for him. So he kind of figured that he'd get his uh, skates underneath him and and be settled this season. Um, but i
2: wonder if because it's so dramatic that means that you know maybe there's something underlying there as opposed to like a slow drip maybe it means that he can get it back do you know what i mean like it's not like this like drop off that you're like oh yeah the age is catching up like because it's so dramatic maybe there's room there to to pick it back up and and i hope so because kyle is an awesome guy yeah and they're a great family
0: yes and 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 he does so much particular for particularly for military veterans yes. and he's very involved in the community and there are a lot of reasons to really root for kyle Palmieri. yeah uh, you know i i sort of think and i i think for kyle's sake I'm, I'm hoping you know it's just a matter of it's it's in his head right now a little yeah bit. oh
2: i'm sure he's also a heady player right like yeah those things do weigh on him
0: yeah so i mean you know, maybe this long break is good for him. He comes back, he plays a little freer, you know, if he pots one, you got to think, you know, he pots two and three, you know, one of those things. But, you know, if not, Barry Trotz has made it clear and, and, you know, and this is presuming there's a game on Thursday and and Kyle, Kyle is playing, but Barry Trotz has also signaled that he's not afraid to take Kyle out of the lineup at this point. So, uh, you know, one of the very interesting things to to, to keep an eye out on Thursday. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. One of the other things I wanted to uh, chat with you about, obviously, you know, uh, as I said, the, the Devils had games in Montreal, your hometown, and uh, mm-hmm. Toronto postponed because uh, attendance is either limited or uh, non-existent. non-existent? Right. Now. I
2: can say that because that is my hometown and my yeah. home province that well, has this thing going on.
0: Yeah, and that, and that is you know even though this is a pandemic, this is still a bottom line business, and yeah no attendance hurts both the owners and the players because the players have to make it back to the owners in, in, in escrow and it's going to impact you know how much revenue yeah. is created and that's going to impact salary caps down the line. So whatever the league can do within reason to not play in front of empty arenas at this point, they're going to do. And if that means pushing things back, been the hopes, yeah, but as I said, you know, being from Montreal, what what is it like north of the border right now? What what is the COVID situation like up there, and and is there hope that the wave is going to sub- subside at some point?
2: I mean, I think so. Like, I really like, I probably would only feel comfortable talking about Montreal and Quebec because that's where I'm from. And obviously like other provinces are dealing with other things. So I'll really like hammer it there. I mean, I've got a lot of family in Ontario too, but you know, Quebec is sort of the most limited right now um, because it is a zero capacity, right? Other buildings have gone like in other provinces have maybe gone to 25% or 50%, but right now it's zero. And Mm -hmm. My understanding is that from one singular game that was missed because the Montreal Canadiens were given, I think like a four-hour warning that their game that night against Philadelphia would not be allowed to have fans. That cost the league or this greater situation, you know, two point three million dollars, and that's not Canadian dollars because we, you know, the league is running U.S. dollars. That's two point three million dollars uh us from one montreal game one like one singular game Um, and i think really you know if it this could sound mean but like if it were other markets if it was potentially you know maybe a market that doesn't do as well um i don't know that those games would necessarily be canceled because it's you're not losing out on the same thing right like um But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, you're at the mercy of a government and it's not just the federal government, it's the provincial government. And the Quebec government is very quick, whether rightfully or wrong, you know, or wrong to act and make their decisions. And this is a decision that they've made. I do know that hospital rates are on the rise in Quebec. I do know that Quebec does have one of the better per capita um, vaccination rates, but, you know, they're you know, it's not just the, the bell center that's shut down, right. It's restaurants. It's all these things. There's a lot of people who are really hurting. I think with the hope that in, you know, the next month or two, they can really get back to scheduling those games and having them there because they are so vital, not only to the NHL, but you know, the city as well and all the merchants around, not that the NHL might really care about that, but it is important. So you know, as opposed to right now saying, like, okay, go play somewhere else or come south of the Canadian border to the US to play those games. I don't think it's feasible right now because they are such money makers in those markets. And I think one of the things that we tend to forget or maybe not really focus on is that at the end of the day, the National Hockey League is a business. Right. It is a private business whose job it is to make as much money as possible. Like any business, whether, you know, you own like a store down the end of the street or a little corner bookstore, that is the goal. And if you can make these measures to try and, you know, uh, avoid huge losses when you've already had huge losses, this is how it's going to go. But the scary part is, is that you're at the mercy of the government. The NHL is not going to change the, the government's mind, the provincial government. But what I will say is that knowing the Quebec government and the people who run the government, they love their halves <laughs> a lot too. So, you know, and I think when, you know, Jeff Molson, the owner of the Canadians, um, put out a statement once the, the announcement was made is that they made it very clear and I found it very interesting that in their press release, they said, you know, we have been assured that within a certain time frame, we will be able to at least start getting fans back. So that will also put pressure because there's nothing that moves the needle politically in Quebec like the hockey team. Right. Um, they do have a degree of power. It's not all-encompassing power, but it's, it's a pretty heavy hand. And you know, don't forget, Andrew, Like when this season started, Montreal wasn't at full capacity. No, they were not allowed full capacity. And I think people forget that, you know, when we live down here and things really felt normal, um, it has not been normal back in Canada. The restrictions, all those things have been completely different. And I sometimes, you know, I feel very blessed to be in the NHL where, you know, I'm being taken care of in all these manners with testing and all that. But I know my family back home have not lived to any degree of normalcy that I have uh, here in New Jersey.
0: Wow, oh, that's you know that's and the the Islanders were up there. Uh, when was that? In, uh, November, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to uh, find my dates. In You're like
2: here. you know game three of the
0: season in November. Yeah. Well, they, they were up there the first week in November. And, yeah. Uh, and I, I you know I, the Bell Center was far from full, and I was told a lot of you know a lot of fans were skittish about coming back into the arena anyway. Yeah. Uh, and um,
2: their team has been really bad, so that doesn't help.
0: No, <laughs>
2: and I, I can say that,
0: yeah. But but I do remember because I, you know, how much I love that city, and I know
2: how much everybody like that is like the devastating part. The worst yeah. part of the pandemic for the hockey culture has been that like the draft got canceled,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you know, knock on wood, it, it, it got rescheduled for this summer up in Montreal, yeah. And you know you the got summer home. time
2: was really different, though, Andrew. Like I was yeah. home for most of the summer in Montreal, yeah. um, and like you have to remember, like it gets cold here in yeah. like New Jersey, New York area. It gets freezing in yeah. Montreal, so people are way more inside than they normally are, and that, as we know, yeah. is a huge precursor to spreading uh, this right. this awful, awful virus. Yeah.
0: No. When when I was up there in November, it was it was good weather. And it, I, I think I took a three hour walk around the city. The it was, it was, it was beautiful. And, and <laughs> to me, that actually was one of those markers where I felt like things were getting back to normal was being in Montreal and and being out in Montreal. Right. Yeah. You know? I, I
2: get that. I get that, you know, and then when our game was canceled or postponed this coming weekend, obviously for me, it's devastating because I love to go home and it was an after, it like lined up so perfectly. My nephew is only five. He's never seen a hockey game and it was going to be an afternoon game. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> but, um, you know, everyone, once it was canceled other than that part, everyone's was like, well, but like, isn't it great that like It'll be rescheduled and hopefully the city will be more open and we can go out and go to rest. I was like, okay, fair. I'm like, I don't yeah. see it that way. Cause like I live there most of yeah. my life. And so like, I've done everything and I've done all the party, <laughs>
0: but <laughs> I do get
2: it. People want to be in Montreal when you can go out and do things because the hockey game always seems to be secondary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Hey, listen, Amanda, thank you so much for your insight with all this. And like I said, I'm knocking on wood. I don't know if you can hear that, but I'm keeping and my fingers crossed. I, I am certainly hoping to uh, see you on Thursday at UBS, and even more so, hoping that the Islanders are hosting the Devils that night. And uh, listen, best of health to you, and and uh, <laughs> stay safe around. We're that. all hanging
2: in, right? No, and and thank you so much for having me because, like, on with you because you know how much I adore you, and just I love just chatting with you, and I can always be myself with you. So. Thank you for everything, and you know the Islander fan base are are lucky to have you. Just as much as we miss you.
0: Well, oh, I appreciate it, and uh, the check will be in the mail, and
2: uh... <laughs> I will send it right back to you, ripped up.
0: <laughs> so, thanks again to Amanda for all her insight. And if you want to find her on Twitter, she's at Amanda C Stein. Uh, My other guest, Kim Moisa, can be found on Twitter at IslesGirl3. And I can be found at A Gross Newsday. And for any Islanders content, including back episodes of this podcast, please go to newsday.com backslash Isles. So until the next time, and when we will get back to your questions for some Andrew's answers, please stay safe and healthy. And happy hockey, everyone.